Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Michael McCoy Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the first full week in the books for 2021. And damn it, we couldn't even get a week deep before some BS popping off. And yes, I'm talking about those Capitol riots last week that took place in D.C., a bunch of dummies out there. But we're not getting into that. <laughs> this is a sports talk show, and uh, we're going to keep it that way. But um, let's just hope this week is smoother. But now that that's out the way, thank you, everyone, for tuning into The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. I'm your host, Mike McCoy. Hope everyone had a great weekend. And I'm really pumped about today's show because I have two really cool sports minds on the line with me right now uh, that are very knowledgeable when it comes to talking hoops and gridiron. Um, really trust these guys talking sports and it's you know some good insight when we're, when we're talking. So um, that's what we're going to do. Special thank you to Max Kesselhout, who's joining the show for the first time, and Ross from Paul's Scoop on the U and the Miami Hurricanes After Dark. Uh, both of whom are joining me for a good portion of the show out on the West Coast. Uh, those guys are always dropping gems, uh, Paul and Paul, I'm sorry, Paul and Ross. So give them a listen on their YouTube channel, or I should say a watch on their YouTube channel, a click, whatever you want to call it. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for setting aside some time to come on my show today and, um, and chop it up. Max, Ross, how are you guys doing? How's life out West? Yeah, it's a little colder than I'm uh, used to right now. But, uh, you know, other than that, I can't really complain too much. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Ross, how about you, man? Oh, it's good, man. You know, Alaska's a little chilly this time of year, and uh, it's been pretty windy. We had some 90-mile-an-hour winds two days ago. But, uh, you know, it's Alaska, bro. You know what, man? When you first told me that and on the little chat that we have going, I thought, like, it was a typo. And I couldn't believe 90-mile-per-hour winds in freaking Alaska. Like, if there's no hurricane or anything like that. That, that just sounds unearthly to me. That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, there's no special name for it here. We just call it a windstorm, bro. <laughs> oh, man, thanks for, for coming on, man. So, guys, um, let's start off with some, some hardwood talk. And I wanted to do so because um, I normally start off the show talking college football, but college football is coming to an end, and we're knee-deep in – well, not knee-deep, just about 10 games into the NBA season. So, figure we start there – and I'm a little concerned. I'm going to tell you why, because this may be the most unpredictable season that we have ever seen in the NBA. And I think everybody knows where I'm pointing here. It's due to COVID. Everybody thought the last season was strange. The longest season in NBA history went from what, October to October. Okay. But um, I'm concerned about this season because any given game, you know, you can have any given player out for, uh, however long okay teams can have any number of guys out and I mean can you imagine if that happens for something like in the playoffs say like a game seven and the NBA is saying that they're not gonna move any games back like it could really they could have an effect and and, and really move the needle needle for some teams here they could alter the trajectory of uh for a team you know throughout the season and before I ask you guys about that I wanted to read to you really quick uh not the entire not the entire uh, story, but just the lead paragraph here from uh, a story that Woj put on ESPN.com. And here it is. It's talking about this very thing. It's talking about the, uh, the impact that COVID is going to have on the season. So Adrian Wojnarowski writes in just the first two paragraphs. Um, let me scroll down here. My internet's kind of spotty right now. So, okay. As coronavirus infected players contact tracing quarantines and ancillary injuries thin rosters of available players 
The NBA has no plans to pause the season, a league spokesman told ESPN. Um, we anticipated that there would be game postponements this season and planned the schedule accordingly, NBA spokesman Mike Bass told ESPN in a statement. There are no plans to pause the season and we will continue to be guided by our medical experts and health safety protocols. Max, I'm going to start with you. It's the first time on the show. Um, I have to admit that this is the first time that I don't have a huge, huge interest in any NBA season. That's exactly why, because I feel like we're not going to get the real, real. How are you feeling about this season so far? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. I think for me, I really am only paying heavy attention to the Lakers because that's, you know, the team that I root for. Right. But in terms of league-wide, I'm, I'm following a couple stories here and there, you know, people that I in, enjoy watching and like to see them do well. Um, but but I think this has a huge impact. I, th- I thought it would have been smart for the NBA to increase the roster number um, to 20 or something along those lines because mm-hmm. I've used, as you've seen, like Dwight Howard played point guard for the Sixers yesterday. You know, it's <laughs> like they only had seven, I think seven players available to play. Yeah. And, and Dwight Howard's playing point guard. Yeah. Um, so I think they could have done more um, to facilitate that. Um, you know, if, if every team had a G League, then, you know, you, you could make the case that any G League team would be eligible to play with their, with their parent team okay. throughout any point in the season. But not every not every NBA team has a G League team, so that's not really possible either. Right. Um, so yeah, again, it's like I think a lot of people anticipated this season being a lot. I don't know. I I, I agree with what you said and the fact that like everyone thought last season was going to be crazy, but like this season is going to be way crazier in my yeah. opinion because you're not in a bubble. Exactly. You know, if they were doing exactly. the bubble again, there'd be no problems. Exactly. And then, I mean, we saw the bubble for about three months and some guys struggled, namely, you know, Paul George, you know, he said he was going through it mentally and I totally, totally can understand that. Can you imagine if there was any type of bubble past 90 days? I mean, I think guys would absolutely lose their minds, you know, being away from family. So it's like, you know, what do you do? It's like Russian roulette or, or, or whatever. But um, Ross, man, how are you feeling about Max comments or the idea in general? Well, I mean, it's anybody who's an NBA fan has got to be a little bit worried, especially if you're just talking about the caliber of the overall game. You're talking about possibly having to lose top shelf players at very inopportune times. Right. This is the NBA. It's not the NFL. You can miss a guy or two in the NFL and you can make up for it. Coaches yeah. can scheme. They can do yeah. all that. You okay. miss a certain guy in the NBA, you're not making up for it. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. Um, I, one thing that I can say that the, the NBA, I think, needs to be really smart about, honestly, and it's because of how long last season went. Right. They need to watch how long they push the playoffs this season. I don't think they want to like keep postponing games and stretch it out, stretch it out. So we know right there if uh, yeah. Giannis, if uh, you know anybody like that gets COVID, it's game over for that team. And it's that quick, bro. Of course. Of course. Because, I mean, the the season was shortened from 82. We're playing, what, 72 games this season, right? Yeah. Okay. So say a guy gets it contracted and it spreads amongst the team. You're missing 14 days, two weeks. That's at least, even in a shortened NBA season, that's maybe, I don't know, 
approximately seven to eight games. And I mean, right now, everybody's schedules, not schedule, record's pretty tight because the season started. But if it's anything like the records we've seen in the past few years where teams are separated by a game, two games, three games, that that could totally derail someone's season. And the other thing I was thinking about is injuries because, you know, I, I was up late last night and watching old Derrick Rose highlights and, you know, I was crying and everything. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the lone Bulls fan in the room. Both these guys are Lakers fans. But, um, and I was just thinking, you know, you, you have shortened off seasons for two teams in particular. Well, not even that, but pretty much everybody was in the playoffs and you can get hurt. You know, that's the last thing you want to see in any sport, but, you know, we're talking basketball right now. So, I mean, that's, that it's a big thing. And I just, I don't know. It, it, I just wish my heart was in it more than um, it is now in terms of the NBA. Maybe things will change in the playoffs. I don't know, but um, we'll see how that transpires. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Mark McCoy show on Sirius X channel 145 slam radio, chopping it up with Max here and Ross from uh, Paul scoop on the U uh, hurricanes after dark. Again, check that channel out. If, and when you have a chance, they always dropping some good material, but um, keeping it on the hardwood guys. I also wanted to talk about, any surprise players and or teams that you guys have, oh, I'm sorry, that have caught your attention so far this season? I have always been a fan of Jeremy Grant. Loved him as an athlete, kind of like a pogo stick, elastic kind of rubber band man kind of dude when he was at Syracuse. And I always felt that if he was in the right situation, that he would be uh, a significant asset to a team and he's proving that right now finally he's 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 allowed to let his wings spread him and Christian Wood have been have been standing out to me the most right now for a lot of reasons but um what about you Ross who who team and or player is uh sticking out to you right now well uh you know he's a guy that most people know about but and we talked about him before the stream but I gotta say that Brogdon has really stood out to me I I knew the guy was a good all-around basketball player. I didn't quite expect this impact as a scorer. I really didn't. It, it, uh, that guy is really turning into the floor general that you'd want to see yes. out of him. Um, he's a hell of a player. But I got to say, the one team that I really – I mean, of course, I'm a Lakers fan, but the one team I really had my eye on, and I'm still watching them close, is the Denver Nuggets. I'm a little surprised that they started off how they have, missing a key player like they are, though, you know, that they lost yep. Grant. That right. that's gonna that's gonna make a uh, make a difference. But you look at the numbers that the Joker's putting up there. I mean, the guy's averaging a triple double from the post. It, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. If if they truly get things cooking there, it, they're gonna get things back on target. And I also am keeping an eye on the Clippers because I wanted to see a chip on Kawhi Leonard's shoulder this year after yeah. last year. I really wanted to see him just really kind of take over and be the guy that he really used to be when he made those deep playoff runs. That's a good point. I mean, the biggest thing with me and probably not just me, but for a lot of people was the coaching change because no slight to Ty Lue. I don't have anything against the guy, you know, enjoyed watching him as a player, specifically getting kind of embarrassed in the NBA finals there by Allen Iverson. That's an, I, you know, exactly what I'm talking about guys and him being stepped over. But um, I just didn't think he was the right hire for, for the clips. I didn't think so because um in my opinion, correct me if, you know, step in anytime you guys, you know, feel you got to, you know, step in, cut me off, but he wasn't necessarily the leader of anything at the helm, at the quote unquote helm uh, with Cleveland. 
everybody knows LeBron was running things over there. So I was just, it was kind of an iffy move. But then again, you hear all the time that he's a player's coach and guys want him this and that. So maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But in terms of just, I think he's more better at managing egos than anything because that's exactly what he had to do over in Cleveland, Kyrie, LeBron, so on and so forth. So that's my opinion on that. But yes, um, they're definitely something that um, to keep an eye on. Max, what about you? Yeah, so a couple couple names here. Um, one being a former Laker in uh, Julius Randle. Yes. You know, obviously, the guy's always been extremely talented, very versatile. Um, but this year, he's averaging over 22.5 points a game, yep. 12 rebounds, and seven assists, kind of playing a point-forward role, which is what I envisioned him coming out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's, he ha- he's always had great handles dating back to even high school. Yes. Um, and, and it seems like he's finally putting things together, which is awesome to see, you know, Ross and I talked about it the other day that it's one of the guys that we really didn't like that the Lakers kind of had to let go, but it, you know, but it's, it's awesome seeing him be so productive. Um, the second name has to be Sexton. Um, I did not expect, you know, he was known as a scorer, but I did not expect him last year to even average 20 points a game right but now he's averaging 25 so far yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't think that that 20 mark could be improved at all <laughs> uh, you know it, it's it's his junior campaign right it's his third year so that's usually when guys get pretty comfortable right um so that was another kind of name that kind of caught me off and then the third name you know again ross and i talk about this kid every single time we watch him play is Taylor Horton Tucker. Oh, I mean, man. the kid is just, he's got to be like the most underrated player in the NBA right now. Everybody's starting to kind of catch notice. Yeah. Ross and I were literally talking about it earlier today. LeBron told uh, Clutch, you know, his agent and, and Rich Paul about this kid when he was in high school. Wow. And, he t- and he told Rich Paul, when this guy is eligible, you need to sign him. He's going to be legit. And, and, you know, now he's playing with LeBron on the Lakers um, and he's proving to be huge. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. he was he was never really known as a scorer, but every time he's in the game, he's scoring. Um, you know, we're recording this here at the beginning of January and they, they had today against the Rockets. I mean, the guy was everywhere, literally everywhere. Um, and so he's been phenomenal you know yeah. and a guy that i've always liked is is lamella ball he's playing great he had his first triple double yes. youngest player in nba history yesterday um and showed out against his brother the night before that totally outperformed him so i'm happy to see that i'm glad you brought him up because i definitely wanted to talk about him at some point um we only got a minute left in this segment so we'll definitely have it spill over to the next one but i was also julius run i was a and still am but more so when he was coming out a huge fan of him to me he was a way more athletic zach randolph and um i thought he was going to be a better scorer than randolph and to me i think he is because his game is a little more expanded but um let me ask you just really quick, something to ponder on, and we'll also answer this in the next question because both of you are both of you guys are Lakers fans. Um, I'm used to this with my Bulls, who are also playing pretty good right now, four and seven as we speak, and a lot of tight games. I lost to you guys, um, the Lakers, just the other night. They lost a three point game um, to the Clippers, but uh, 
is it me or is it does it feel like the Lakers they kind of give up on guys a little too soon sometimes I mean I guess you could argue they have to because you got to trade ball for Anthony Davis right but guys like like Randall I don't remember what his situation was when um when his time was up I don't know if it was contractual or what but there's a bunch of guys at the Lakers that are no longer with the Lakers that um I feel they probably not necessarily gave up on too early but just I don't know I don't know I, I felt they could have hung on to him a little longer but we'll talk about that over in the next segment ladies and gentlemen um just keep it locked we're gonna go ahead and pay some bills right now you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 slam radio you're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like... Well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... It sounds like two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. Joined by Max. I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name again, man. I'm not going to try and butcher that. So we'll just leave it as Max because I, I promise I wasn't going to do it again. And Ross from Paul Scoop on the U, uh, Hurricanes After Dark. Over on YouTube, check out that stream if and when you have a can. I'm sorry, if and when you have a chance. Those guys do great work over there. And we're just chopping it up with the the three of us because um, we like sports. We like talking about it. And we wanted to bring you uh, some thoughts and, and, and notes here on the NBA. And then we'll talk about football in a little bit. But in the last segment, I was telling these uh, guys that it feels like the Lakers are kind of sort of always not giving up on guys, but maybe having to let guys go or whatever the deal is before they reach their full potential. We talked about Julius Randle. Um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, obviously, Ball, that's now a, a Pelican. And uh, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell. And I'm sure there's more that I, I can't think of. But 
is 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 that a thing? Is that just me, or is that something that the Lakers just don't have patience with? Uh, it's not a patience thing at all. Um, it's a we're working around the money mm. uh, type of scenario. Um, okay. For example, um, D'Angelo Russell will start there, so they were able to get uh, Brooke Lopez with um, with him, and a first round draft pick that ended up being um, Kyle Kuzma. Uh-huh. Um, so, so when you think of it, you know, get, getting Lopez, he was kind of a rental, but then also getting mm-hmm. Kuzma on a rookie deal, uh, that have pay the max for, a, uh, to keep D'Angelo Russell True. made sense to them. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the avenue they wanted to go at. And then, you know, obviously, uh, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, that was just collateral and getting Anthony yeah. Davis. Yeah, yeah. We all understand why they made that move. You have to do that. Um, and then from, from, from my opinion and from what I've read and heard and, you know, talked to m- amongst people, it was kind of a similar situation with Julius Randall. They knew he was going to kind of demand more money. Um, I think at that point in time, they, they might not have even been offering him a starting role because oh, wow. of the guys that they knew they had coming in. Okay. And so it wasn't necessarily a thing where they 100% wanted to on uh, from him, but the Pelicans at that time had an offer for him, um, but then obviously took a, a job with the Knicks okay. recently. Right. Okay. Okay. It just reminds me of a, a lot about the Bulls. Obviously, I'm the, the Bulls fan here, but the Bulls are uh, – I don't want to talk about the Bulls. I mean, listen, four and seven right now, things are looking up. Billy Donovan, head coach, okay, cool. But wow, uh, pretty much ever since 98, um, even though they've made the playoffs plenty since 98, it's really been nothing to write home about. <laughs> but um, moving on, we're going to stay uh, on the hardwood here. But I wanted to talk about what seems to be dominating headlines pretty much since the ending of, of last season, which was only a couple of months ago. And that is what the heck's going on with James Harden? And so uh, the guy has a mega contract that it seems like nobody wants. And obviously, you know, for good reason, his style of play seems to be a concern depending on who you ask. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'll start with you, Ross. Uh, what's going on? Where do you think he's going to land? Do you think he's going to end the season in the Rockets uniform? Who do you think is going to pick him up? Is it going to be a contender? East Coast, West Coast? What's going on with that guy, man? Um, man, James Harden is one of those guys that I'm just not a big fan of, honestly. I, I mean, you can't sit there and say the guy can't play basketball because no, that would no. be the right lie. But, you know, he's not a guy I want on my team. I'll tell you that. He's not a superstar that I will ever feel that will lead a team to a title. I don't think he will ever be in charge of a title team in the NBA. Okay. I'm not even sure if he can be a secondary guy for that because – he just flat out gives up when things don't go his way. We've watched him give up on defense in the playoffs. We've watched him give up on his team, and, and it's it's outrageous to me. I mean, we're talking about professionals here at the NBA level. Yeah. If he wants to end up leaving Houston and getting – I'm not 100% sure who's going to take him, but I will say if he wants to get his butt out of Houston, he needs to drop some of that weight he's put on. He needs to play like a team player, show he's committed, and maybe a contender might want to make a trade or somebody who's on the verge of, you know, trying to contend or something. They might want to bring him in. But as of right now, I wouldn't want the guy on my team. And I'm not sure that there's other teams. I'm sure, actually, that there's other teams that feel the same way right now. Oh, no, I agree. 
I agree with that. And I mean, they were talking about, you know, Russell Westbrook being, you know, however, whatever kind of teammate that was rumored to be around his name. And Russ, by all accounts, is, is a great teammate. A lot of people have uh, whatever they got to say about him. And I don't understand why. But Max, man, I know you wanted to get some some of this off your chest and talking about Harden. So the floor is yours. Yeah, so for me, I think the the likely destination is completely unknown at the moment. I think the likely destination is going to be a team that is underperforming uh, throughout the season and needs to make a desperation type move mm. to either make the playoffs or or work towards a better seed. Okay. Um, I think the only team that I could see him joining with a realistic chance of winning a title is the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think any other team really could win with him on it. And again, I think the Brooklyn Nets' chance of winning a title has gone drastically down with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie getting hurt. I mean, yeah, they man. looked lost without him. Yeah, man, that is, that's a nicely constructed roster. You know, I was looking at it the other day. I'm just thinking, wow, um, I like all the names on that roster and they play well. Uh, Allen, I think is, uh, I love his hair, by the way. He probably has the best hair in the NBA. But um, the thing with the thing with Harden going to the, to the, to the Nets is you're giving up Kyrie, right? There's no way that the three of those guys play on that team. Is, am I alone in that thinking? Tell me what you guys, what do you think about that? I think it kind of depends on what Harden does. I mean, Harden can kind of, he can either help the Rockets in terms of trade value or he can hurt them in terms of trade value. If he decides to really just do what he can to sabotage things to get himself out of Houston, it drives his price down, man. And, and we've seen it happen before. I, uh, man, if he, if he wants to do any favors for himself or Houston, he, he needs to buckle down and really play on both ends of the court. Okay. 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 Max, I mean, what about you? How do you feel about that, man? Because I, I'm of the school of thought that if he if he is Brooklyn bound, there's no way in hell that it's Kyrie, KD, and 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 uh, and Beard. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so you know, my cousin, I got family in the East Coast. He's a huge Nets fan. Um, we've had this conversation many a times. He. So I, I'm pretty sure Kyrie and Kevin Durant have both said that, uh, well, I guess Kyrie doesn't really, his opinion doesn't really matter on this, but I think uh, Kevin Durant said that he wouldn't want them getting James Harden if it required them to lose Kyrie. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my train of thought has obviously changed because of the Dinwiddie injury. That dude would have had to be in the trade package. Yeah. And now that he's hurt, it's pretty much off the table. Um, so I think it's less and less likely that a deal like that gets done unless, unless Brooklyn and Kevin Durant, you know, because he's going to have a say in everything, right. would be okay with shipping Kyrie out. And to me, if I'm the Rockets, I don't really want Kyrie, not because he's not a great player, but I mean, look at the rest of the roster. They're not going to be competing for anything. Yeah. You know, the only, the only solid guy that's going to really you know, cause damage in the playoffs is John Wall. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to get younger. They need to get draft picks like the Oklahoma City Thunder have been doing. Right. You know, in a, in a kind of a, a rebuild mode. And that's why the trade with John Wall didn't make a ton of sense okay. um, when, when they traded Russell Westbrook because 
they basically just swapped out the same players. Yes. You know, yes. obviously they have a little bit different skill set, um, but just it just doesn't make a lot of sense right now. So I think that match between Brooklyn and, and the Rockets doesn't make a ton of sense anymore. And, and that's that's the team that I thought was the most likely to get a deal done. But again, with mm-hmm. the with the Dinwiddie injury and all this stuff going on now, I just I just don't see it. Okay. The good points, man. Good points. Cause I mean, there's some stuff that I, I wasn't even thinking about, but especially with the Dinwiddie part, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, if you're just now tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 slam radio chopping up with two buddies of mine, Max and Ross. And uh, we were talking about, uh, and you want to know what? I want, I want to go back on LaMelo Ball because I want to talk about some rookies, okay? There were two guys that were uh, on my radar for Rookie of the Year. So I'm going to ask you an impromptu way too early, like not even 10 games into it, which rookies are, are sticking out to you the most. Coming into right after the draft, I was in love with Tyrese Halliburton, and I still am. I think the guy is just a wizard out there. Um, I didn't think LaMelo was going to be playing this good. And if, if there's people out there that are rooting against the kid, then shame on you. Like, how can you, how can you be rooting against him? I think it's a great story, especially for the ball family. Um, but who has your attention out there for rookie of the year? I, like I said, I love Tyrese Halley Burton, but everybody, especially right now after his first triple double, which you mentioned in the last segment, Max, uh, LaMelo boss, turn it up. He's looking good. And, um, I'll start with you, Ross. How's your rookie of the year outlook going? Um, honestly, I mean, I think that it's only a matter of playing time. And I think it's LaMelo Ball. He, he's doing the most, cons- you know, I think and he might not be doing the most consistently immediately, but he will do the most consistently going forward, I think. He's okay. the guy that offers a little bit of everything. Okay. And when you look at possible rookies of the year and stuff like that, it does help if you can contribute all over the court. They do look at that. They go, hey, is this guy NBA ready? Is he just a shooter? Is he just a passer? He's showing he can do a little bit of all of it already. Um, my my big concern, and I've talked with this about Max before, my big concern with LaMelo was going overseas and playing against a lower caliber type of talent than he would have played of in college. Yes. Did that ruin his development or not? And will we ever really see his max heights? Will we ever really see him reach his true goals? Yep. I'm starting to lean a little bit more towards, okay, this guy's going to do really well. I mean, he he looks pretty damn good. And the experts that came out and said that he wasn't a shooter before the draft, I'm not sure what they're looking at, man. I mean, he might have he might have taken some ill-advised shots, but that kid right. can shoot. He can definitely shoot. He's the complete package so far. And if I'm, he, he's every every bit of six eight. I mean, he's like one eighty, I think. But six eight point guard, eyes in the back of his head, a playmaker. Okay, can make buckets. Um, and he's not scared to get his nose, you know, dirty, go amongst the trees. Like, and he's six, eight. Okay. Um, probably a little more, not a little bit more skilled offensively than Sean Livingston, a lot more, but he reminds he's in that same mold. I see, uh, probably like a, a better score than a Sean Livingston, Livingston, I should say, Max, what about you, man? Any, any rookies out there kind of turning your head? Yeah. So one of the guys that again, Ross and I've talked about, you know, so we're, we're both on the West coast. So we watch a lot of pack 10, right? Right. Pac-12. And so uh, one of the guys that kind of caught our attention was Peyton Pritchard, right? Yes. Not not a guy that a lot of people talked about in the draft, but a guy that we've seen a lot of because he played at Oregon. And, and, you know, he's not having a crazy year by any means in terms of, you know, 
the stats he's putting up, but he's playing very, very well for the Celtics and playing a lot more minutes than I think anybody, even Celtics fans thought he would play. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. But in terms of the MVP uh, rookie of the year or whatever, um, Halliburton leads rookies in player efficiency rating. Um, So he's, it's, it's, it's a, man and it's a dance between him and the ball they're number one and number in player fish rating lamello's coming off the bench and playing around 20 something it's a game just killing it uh-huh. and again you know one of the concerns that ross and i both had when we talked about it was shot selection and he's not really taking any bad shots no no good point man um about going back to peyton pritchard a guy that i was rooting for even in, in college, again, he's out on the West Coast. A lot of East Coast guys don't get an eye out for him uh, or, or anything out in the West Coast for that matter. But as it stands right now, uh, 8.6 points per game off the bench, okay? Averaging uh, shade under two and a half rebounds per game and just a, over three assists per game. 6'2", 206, uh, first round, 26 overall pick for the Celtics. I loved it because this is a guy that plays within – uh, within the system he doesn't well obviously he needs a ball in his hands but he's a point guard but he doesn't need to uh i, I don't know I, I like i said he just plays within the system man he's he, it feels like to me he sets his guys up he's patient that's what I, and he's a dog he has that mentality that um you watch him play and he's just a pit bull mentality man i like him he's rough around the edges and he's a shot maker i don't know he has a little edge to him and i'm rooting for him i think the celtics pick for him i didn't see him going in the first round i don't know if you guys did but um i didn't see it happening because i'm seeing the first round come to a close and he was a pleasant surprise for me seeing him picked well like you said the definition of a dog is is peyton pritchard that's what i saw in college and i'll tell you what one of the big things that the celtics have to like about him is he carries himself like he's a four or five year vet already and to have that as a rookie who's cheap coming off the bench, giving you energy. When you're a team who's looking to contend for a title, that's the kind of guys you have to find in the draft. You have to get the contributors. doesn't have to be a star. It needs to be a contributor. And you know what? We're seeing what bench stuff can do for another team as well. He's a player I want to bring up before we miss out on it. But Shake Milton's starting to do a little more for the 76ers. I, I think, I mean, he's not, like I said, he's not a superstar or anything, but if he can stay a consistent scorer and keep his percentages up, yes. it's going to be a big deal for him because they've needed that for a while. Yes, yes. Sixers a team uh, at the moment, as it stands, uh, best record in the Eastern Conference. And this is very uh, fluid because, again, with COVID, we all know how things can change. Sixers just played a game with, what, like seven, eight guys the other day. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them to do well just because of Doc, okay? A lot of people, we all saw how, how Doc went out. Uh, in his last couple of days over with the Clippers this past season. And I- I'm rooting for him just as much as anybody. But uh, that's pretty much it for this segment, guys. Uh, we'll be back on the other side. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. 
Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because everything that I say is, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? Can LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? Probably could, but why would he do it? But why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio uh, with Ross and Max. They've been with me throughout the entirety of the show. We were talking hardwood, round ball, whatever you want to call it. We're switching it up to the gridiron. And there's there's a game today, uh, you know, in Miami, Florida, kind of a big deal, Ohio State and Alabama. And if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, the last thing that you want to see is Ohio State winning on your own turf. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, the Heisman Trophy was actually last Tuesday as well. And a very kind of whole hum ceremony. It was virtual. It was not in New York. And the I actually forgot that it was on Tuesday. I almost never miss the Heisman Trophy. It's one of my favorite things to watch. But I did. I slept through it. And um, I think the right guy won, Devonta Smith, the second receiver to ever do so. We all know that's uh, a, an award that's pretty much dominated by quarterback play. A uh, couple of running backs have won it here and there. Ricky Williams rings a bell, um, so on and so forth. But uh, guys, how do you feel about Devonta Smith, a really small-ish type of receiver, um, making a big impact on you know the most explosive offensive team in college football? I'll start with you, Ross. Uh, did the right guy win? I definitely think the right guy win. And I think it was actually to the point where it would have been a travesty if he hadn't, um, <laughs> that guy flat out put on dude. I mean, yeah, he did. We're not talking about just a guy who's going to just do well in college on a dominant team. We're talking about a guy who's got superstar elite type talent in the NFL yeah. as well. He's going to be a top 10 pick. Somebody's going to love adding him to their roster. Right. Um, it's just, you know, it's just another one of those wonderful guys that Bama gets to have almost yearly, it seems like, you know. They get to just reload and reload and reload. And uh, congrats to him, man. He he earned it 100%. And like I said, I think it would have been a travesty any other way. No, I agree, man. I apologize for the background noise, by the way. But um, 6-1, a buck 75 soaking wet, if that. But uh, his stats on the year, 105 receptions, 1,641 yards receiving, um, averaging about uh, 15.6 a pop of a reception, I should say, 20 touchdowns. Uh, I'm sorry, no, these are his, am I reading his season stats? Yeah, 2020, uh, 20 touchdowns. Um, the guy did it all. And that's coming off of a 1,200-yard receiving season last year and 14 touchdowns receiving. And we all remember what he did his freshman year. All he did was catch the game-winning touchdown catch in that epic uh, national championship game against Georgia in overtime when Tua came off the bench. And, you know, that's all – the rest is history. But, Max, what about you, man? How are you feeling about the Heisman? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the right guy won it. Uh, well, I don't think I know the right guy won it. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the, the more interesting storyline um, that, that I've mentioned before is the fact that what if Jalen Waddle never got hurt? Would that would he would he have won the Heisman? You know, because Jalen Waddle's been the better receiver yes. when yes. both of them had been playing, mm-hmm. and so so now you're looking at it, it could have been a a, a four man Bama Heisman. It could have been Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris all deserving of winning the Heisman, which would be the first I think ever four guys yeah on 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 one given Heisman uh you know being finalist but at the time of Smith's injury at 25 receptions on the year not Smith's injury I'm sorry Waddle's injury 25 catches on the year 557 yards that's 22 per reception four touchdowns and as long as catch went for 90 yards definitely you know the better receiver but let me not say the better receiver but I guess probably the number one receiver the go-to guy in that offense and so um that's that's a hell of a question they definitely would have taken votes away from each other my thing is this if if we never saw uh sunshine go down missing however many games he did due to covid that probably was going to be the guy right there Kyle Trask has had a hell of a year worth uh, very commendable uh very worth noting i should say sorry i believe he threw for 40 touchdowns but then you saw how he looked you know without all his weapons and it's no fault of his but you know it's kind of like saying you know whoever uh athlete on whatever team you take his best options away from how you're going to look but that didn't help his cause that's the point that i'm making but um he probably wasn't even the best quarterback of the of the guys mentioned you know we're talking matt jones who was a good guy coming out of high school. And obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who's probably going to be the first pick uh, in next April's draft, if the draft is in April. But I mean, a lot of good options there, man. And so um, being that we're talking about Bama and uh, the game that's going to take place uh, later on today here in Miami Gardens, um, Bama wins this game. I mean, Nick Saban seems like he spends his time uh, in the 305 way too much than we'd like him to recruiting already. Now, for guys, Miami's been, you know, doing good in the offseason as they have been since, you know, Manny arrived here. And, you know, that's not changing, especially with the announcement that we just saw a couple of yesterday or the day before with Travis Robinson being named the cornerbacks uh, coach or the secondary coach, I should say. Miami's up in recruiting. But seeing this, does that kind of have a negative impact? Does that make guys think, oh, Bama still looks kind of good there? I know Miami's on the upswing. Uh, I'll start with you, Max. I I don't think it makes much of an impact because Bama's been doing this forever. I don't think them doing it in Miami really is going to make too much of a difference. And also, you got to think of it this way: you know, a lot of these recruits aren't going game anyway, right? So, so I think maybe maybe you can make a case with that if if these guys were in house at the game, you know. I, I don't anticipate a lot of them being able to have the opportunity to go. Right. Um, but I think maybe you could, you could argue that, but I think the bigger storyline is if Nick Saban wins, does he go out on top and retire? I'm glad because, you brought that up. We can definitely talk about now you're, Yeah. Cause now you're talking about a negative impact in recruiting. So if you're in Miami and you want Nick Saban to win uh-huh. because it's, who knows it's who they hired for him to go to, out? 
exactly it is no that's a thank you for bringing that up thank you for bringing that up i want to get ross's opinion first on this part and then we'll definitely jump on and switch gears to to your topic max but ross how do you feel about bama possibly winning i'm gonna go out maybe not on a limb but i think they win by i think they win by at least double digits i'm not calling it a blowout i am going to say between 10 and 14 points but how do you feel about them winning here in miami and if that affects miami football in any sense um i mean you never want Bama just lingering around your backyard. And the last thing you want them to do is put a show on in your backyard. But like Max said, Bama is a nationally known product. This game could be in Idaho and they'd still get the same kids. I, I just don't think location is going to be, you know, too important in that aspect. But what I think matters more than anything else is simply winning the game. That That's what they got to do. They've got a dominant team. To lose that national title game would be a shame, in my opinion. We're talking about one of the better teams I've seen in, in quite a while, actually. That's yes. a very good team. So I wouldn't be uh, – I, I guess I'm, I'm not too worried about them being right in Miami directly. But, you know, hey, it sucks having Saban lingering around in Miami. It just always does. <laughs> it does, man. And so, I mean, it's going to be a really good game. 8 o'clock kickoff, uh, the 8-0 and uh, Ohio State Buckeyes versus the 12-0 Alabama top-ranked uh, Crimson Tide for all the chips here in Miami. And so let's go back to Max's point. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Let's go back to Max's point and, um, and talk about that because I there's been talk and namely more I've been hearing it from the Dan from Dan Cilio's Twitter account. I don't follow him a lot. I don't listen to his radio show. But he's the one that every time I see something about Nick Saban leaving, he's tweeting it. So uh, there's definitely, I guess, some type of smoke. When there's smoke, there's fire. But go ahead, Max. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm not I'm not basing it off of, you know, I guess what Dan Saleo is posting. You know, he's, he's out there. But I think right. when you talk about a coach who, who's not getting much younger – uh -huh. um and has been doing it for as long as he has every time he he's in the national championship you got it you question it you know yeah yeah is this going to be his last one you know you just don't know um and i thought at first him letting sarkeesian walk was an indication that he was not going to retire but after i've thought about it and talked to some people about it i think that they have somebody else in mind if that were to happen. And I think we all can agree that person is probably Dabo Sweeney, who is from Alabama. Dabo Sweeney, a name that uh, maybe a lot of people don't realize was on that national championship team that beat Miami in the Sugar Bowl in what was it, 1992. Um, he was on that team, a receiver. I believe he was a walk-on, <clears throat> like you said, uh, from Alabama and a guy which probably makes the most sense if he's not thinking NFL okay I think it's just set in stone but Ross how, what are your thoughts on that I Max took the words out of my mouth he he pretty much did for me too I mean I think that there's kind of no question that if Saban was to move on that Dabo has to be the guy and as a Miami fan that should worry us in my opinion for the simple <laughs> fact that that guy knows the ins and outs of the ACC and he knows what it takes to recruit in Miami and South Florida in general. So to have him having the Bama machine back him is even more powerful than the Clemson machine. That's, that's a rough one, 
But the one thing, no matter what happens, we know Bama will spend whatever money it takes to make it happen. There will be no skimping or cutting corners. They will open it up. They'll leave the checkbook blank and they'll just reload in that aspect, just like they do with their team and their players. They're going to turn around and reload the staff. That's just what Bama does. Well, let me ask you this, since we're all in agreement there about Dabo, you know, probably taking his talents over to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it sucks for Miami in that asset, but at least he's going to be in the SEC. Okay, I'm not saying Clemson automatically drops off because of him leaving, but Sunshine has already declared for the NFL draft, so he'll be gone too. We've already seen their backup and his what he's capable of doing uh, whenever he gets the nod. But does Clemson fall off? Who takes over Clemson's spot? I, obviously, these are all hypotheticals, but um, I think we've talked about this before in our chat that we have going on, that we don't see Venables being that guy because he's just a guy that's comfortable being a coordinator. What are the possible names, if this were to take place, that would maybe uh, be the next head coach at Clemson, Ross? Well, you know, to me, uh, my my thought had been for actually a year or so when I when I think about this just to myself, was that they'd reach out to Urban Meyer. But now that we're seeing Urban is thinking about taking that Jaguars job for like $12 million a year, I, I don't blame him one bit. I don't blame the guy one bit. Um, that I mean, honestly, dude, the, the Clemson job, that is a great question. Um, I think a lot of it will come down to as well as time and place. Okay. Um, there's, you know how it is in coaching. There's guys who are just on the cusp that are two, three years away from yeah. being elite themselves or knocking on that door and just yeah. coming up like the guy from Cincinnati and stuff and the defensive yeah. coordinator getting all the attention. Yeah, That stuff changes pretty quick now. So, you know, if a hot shot was to appear on the scene in three years or so and that move happens, so be it. But if it was to happen, you know, Saban wins this year or and goes and, and Dabo shipped off to Bama, I think, you know, regardless of what Brent Venables has said, Bama has to do everything in their power to keep him and make him their next head coach. I think it'd be foolish to try to go any other way. Of course. No, I, and look, you can't blame him for wanting to kind of stay there because we all know the life of a head coach, you know, it's it's do or die. There's no gray. It's, it's black or white. And, you know, we all see that. But um, the guy reminds me of Bud Foster. Bud Foster, a mainstay. We all know what he brought to the table at Virginia Tech, lunch pail type of guy. Always had great defenses. But Max, uh, let me let me let me turn over to you. And you know, if that did happen, who maybe are you thinking is Clemson looking at? Yeah, so I, I I kind of agree with you guys. I think Venables is probably a no. Um, I think he's very content with uh, the position he's in. Uh, he would have taken a job at this yeah. point, I think, if he wanted to be a head coach. Um, you know, if you if you look at a guy like Freeman, the DC at Cincinnati, who just signed with Notre Dame, he yeah. said he wants to be his next move is a head coaching position. Um, so I'm not that maybe he would be in talks with Clemson, but that's a guy who's who's said on numerous occasions he wants to be a head coach. Whereas Venables, I don't think I've ever heard that out of his mouth. Um, so in terms of who would take over for Clemson, you know, maybe you look at the offense Tony Elliott. He's He's revitalized that offense. He's yeah. changed the way that they run their team from a schematic standpoint this year. And you've seen vast improvements. Obviously, you know, they, they had a lackluster playoffs here. Um, but I actually think the dark horse would be if Joe Brady get an NL head coaching gig this season, that is who they would go after. Damn. 
<laughs> Damn, because we all saw the literal record-setting uh, offense that LSU had last season, and that would that would suck for Miami and the rest of the ACC because it was literally. I mean, we look. Nobody was talking about uh, what 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 what's the quarterback over in Cincinnati right now? I'm drawing a blank. Joe Burrow. Burrow. Nobody was talking about. I mean, two years ago when Miami played LSU, nobody came away from that game saying, "Oh my God, Joe Burrow." One hire changes things. A system changes things. And look at that. So, wow. what Good call. Good call there. Um, 30 seconds to go. Just kind of rapid fire. Tell me what you think about Sean Wade, probably Ohio State's best cornerback, saying that he wanted the challenge of taking Devonta Smith. Bama players don't do this. Bama players, they are a carbon copy of Nick Saban. Okay. Uh, Shut up. This is how you do it. This is how you're going to play. This is how you're going to talk to the media. Somebody calls you out. Okay. Yeah. Great. We'll see you on the field. So there's not really going to be a response from the Bama side of things, but how do you, what are you looking forward to that matchup? If it happens, I mean, Sean Wade, uh, like I said, uh, the Buckeyes probably the best cornerback six one one ninety five senior out of Jacksonville uh, calling out the Heisman trophy winner. Max, how do you feel about that? I think he's he's barbecue man. Um, Sean Wade <laughs> is a typical slot receiver or slot cornerback. Okay, he's a nickel guy. You want him on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yes, they moved up around a lot, but Devontae is primarily more so on the outside at Bama. He is going to get absolutely obliterated tomorrow <laughs> or today. <laughs> Oh, Ross, how do you feel about that, man? All I can tell him is best of luck, young man. Um, that That is – you talk about taking a whole bite off, trying to chew it and swallow it. Man, he's got a whole big bite right there. And I'll tell you, like you said, Bama, those guys, the carbon copy that Saban has gotten there. And, it, and you know, you can do that when you're such a proven coach. You can you can instill – you can install that and you can, you can get away with it more than just a random guy. Yeah, yeah. But, Bama isn't going to get into some kind of talk or some kind of argument. They show what they want to show on the field. They let their play speak for them. Their actions do all the talking. That that guy just, I think he bit off a little bit more than he can chew, bro. I really think he did. <laughs> we'll see, man. Eight o'clock tonight. I'm definitely going to be tuned in. I'm excited about this game. And um, it's crazy that college football was able to get a season off, you know, everything considering COVID. But, uh we're going to take step aside really quick and pay even some more bills. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around thus far. I'll catch you on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM Channel 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show only on SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, it, look, if they pick up Tua Nigamanuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigamanuel Apollo. 
Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua nigga Manuala Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuala Pola. Tunga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuala Pola. Tunga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuala Pola. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You are still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, XM sorry, channel 145 Slam Radio. And I'm still here with the boys, Ross and Max, chopping it up. Uh, ch- switched gears over from talking NBA ball, and we are talking college football right now. I had a nice little segment talking about, a little bit about the Heisman Trophy last segment, uh, what to expect in the national championship game. And I will be remiss if I didn't talk about Miami Hurricanes football. I mean, come on. Everybody follows me on Twitter knows that that's what this is all about. But um, I got the right guys to talk Canes football with, and and let's do it. So, um, obviously, the big news and very, very, very good news uh, for Miami Hurricanes football, the hiring of fellow Coral Park alum, uh, Traveras Robinson. He and I went to Miami Coral Park Senior High School. He graduated, I believe, 98 maybe 99. He was a freshman when I, I'm sorry, he was a senior when I came in, uh, took his talents over to Auburn, played a little bit over in the league and is one of the better recruiters in college football, a teacher. And uh, I'm excited. Ross, I'll start with you. What does this mean for Kane's football? And maybe if you have any other comments on the rest of the staff. Well, I'll tell you, man, uh, I love the hire at T-Rob. I, I absolutely love it. I think it's an immediate upgrade to right. what we already had. Um, and I think the most of the Canes feel that from what I've seen on Twitter and stuff like that. I think a lot of the fan base is really liking this hire. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say, and this goes back before even his job he had now, when that guy was was doing recruiting for the Florida Gators and he came down into South Florida, he did a job, yeah. dude. He did up. a hell of a job. That's what we need to rekindle at Miami. Yep. We, you know, he got the Hargrave brothers, he got the Wilson brothers. We need that at Miami. We need the high-end four-star, possibly lingering around the five-star type of talent that we continue to lose yes, to the yes. Bamas, to the Georgias, to everybody else. We need to put the fence back around that region when it comes to certain positions, and cornerback is one of them, in my opinion. Of course. No, thank you for that, because, I mean, you preach to the choir there, but Max, man, obviously you're excited as anybody else. How are you feeling about the hire, man? So there's a couple uh, layers to it. Um, I'm very excited that he probably was the best available, not even just available, but the best guy they could have gotten. Yes. Outside of, outside of maybe Corey Raymond, but that's very, very far-fetched. Uh, two, maybe number three um, in terms of best B coaches in the country. Okay. Um I think when you look at it, uh, you know, comparing it to Banda and Rump, I think it's an upgrade in, in all all four facets. I think it's a 
recruiting upgrade in Banda. I think it's a coaching upgrade Banda. I think mm-hmm. it's a recruiting and coaching upgrade in Rumpf. Right. So, and all four facets is an upgrade, but the most underrated part about this hire, in my opinion, is also another take that I haven't heard too much about is this is going to be a that is going to groom Demarcus Van Dyke to be the next corners slash DB coach at the University of yes. Miami with him not accepting the position. What we've heard at Utah State. Right. T-Rob is not going to forever, you know, and I think that that is the most underrated facet of this hire. Very, very good point because – I, I thought it was a done deal with uh, DVD headed to Utah State following Ben. And then I see, you know, it hasn't really been official. And I'm thinking, okay, great. But my whole thought was we we lost T-Rob Jr. We lost baby T-Rob when it was announced that, you know, DVD was following, uh, you know, Banda and whoever else he took with him to Utah State. So I was thinking, great. But, I mean, you got to think that he's probably rethinking things right now so if we were able to keep him absolutely things don't last forever t-rob will move on at some point in his career so <clears throat> very good point there excuse me the other part that i was thinking about and you guys can speak on this better than i can was the fact that he was not named cornerbacks coach he being Tavares robinson he was named a secondaries coach he's going to be coaching safeties and cornerbacks which means what we got room for another coach on this roster on this staff talk about how you think you know how that may play out and obviously we're speaking hypotheticals here no you know nothing concrete or whatever but we're allowed to do that um t- i'll start with you max t- tell me how you think things work out in that aspect so when we hired Telly Lockett last year, the the plan in place was that whenever there was going to be a job available on field, he would be either at the top of the list or pretty much guaranteed that spot. Okay. Um, because it uh, gives him the ability to recruit, recruit. a lot right. more than he can role in terms of in-home visits and and the amount of times he's able to contact recruits um so i think opening up that spot gives an avenue for for telly lockett to be there the second option is you can put dvd in an assistant db role yes where he's kind of overseeing what rob's doing but isn't as hands-on as if he was just the corners coach um, that way he has, you know, more ability to kind of learn from T-Rob. Okay. Um, and again, DVD is one of the most underrated recruiters, if not the most underrated recruiter on staff. Right. Um, who can't not, or who can't get credit on 247 with recruits due to how they categorize things. Okay. So from what I would say about 99% of the Miami Hurricanes fans thought Banda was the best recruiter we've had since sliced bread. (laughs) DVD and Ed Reed are pulling a lot of the weight for him, but can't be credited. Incredible. Thanks you for that insight, man, because um, I'm sure, I mean, I didn't know all of that. So thank you for me because I mean, I just did it. I'm not going to be sit here and act like I did, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that didn't know the ins and outs of that. Um, Ross, man, tell me how you're feeling. Um, I'm in the boat and I know it's not, you know, every Canes fan is feeling this way, but I'm in the boat that I'm ready to let DVD get up there and actually start getting a little more coaching duties. Um, 
I love the idea, like Max said, about kind of making it a little easy on him at first. Let's yeah. let's, let's take it slow. Yeah. With a guy like T-Rob there, I feel he's so good at what he does. We can do that. You can't always just let a guy come up and just let him develop and do that. I think right. T-Rob will help us make up for that in the meantime okay. while DVD gets his feet wet. Um, I think it would be a mistake to not elevate him after everything he's done. Right. Due to the fact that not only with T-Rob elevating our recruiting, imagine those two guys walking into a recruit's house oh to talk. God. Bro, <laughs> I, I'm all for it, bro. I uh, Let's do it. Yeah, you can't with say Ed no Reed to that. On what was that? With Ed Reed on FaceTime. With Adrian, oh my God. With wearing uh, how, however many rings he has. Uh, one national championship ring, but a Sugar Bowl ring, a, a, a Rose Bowl ring. I get it. Um, let me ask you guys this because, uh, I mean, I, I think it's worth talking about. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to uh, the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And actually, before I get to that next point, um, I'm not exactly sure who to credit this video to. I do know that Art Moreno at Kane Films uh, tweeted it. I'm not exactly sure where he got the video from, but this is a clip of T-Rob talking football um, at some point last or may have been last season or whatever, but talking football and how he likes to scheme things up as a coach. Take a listen here because I thought this was just golden. How much press coverage are you working on? You know, we're, we're a bump football team. You know, that's always been our style of play. Um, obviously, you know, we, we got to get better at it. Um, that's something that we're going to improve upon a lot. But we're we going to bump. We're going to be, I would imagine, somewhere 60 to 70% bump and a man doing different things like that with the ability to play zone and different things to change up the looks. You know, but we, we got some guys, our corners, they're coming around pretty nicely. Um, and Rashard Fenton and Chris Lamont and um, Jamarcus King. Um, Steve Montag guy today was a pleasant surprise for us to go see him a little bit outside. So it was good. So I'm excited about it. So Montag is here? Yeah, he's here. He was at practice today. First day today? First day. How much good versus good will you guys do this fall and throughout the season? Say it again now. One's on first team on first team. How much of that will y'all do during the fall? Oh, we always do one-on-one. That that's, 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 that's why we practice the way we practice. That's our edge. How we practice is our edge. Um, we're going to practice one-on-ones. We're going to be physical. All right, We're going to get after each other, and then we're going to love each other when we get off the field. And that's one of the things that we talk to the defense about. When we step across that line, all right, effort, toughness, discipline, we step across that line, it's us against them. All right, And then we're going to roll that way, and then when we off the field, we're in brotherhood again. All right, But that's the way that we practice. That's what we want, and um, that's what we're getting right now. You want to know what pissed me off about that clip? is that the man sounds like an absolute Miami hurricane, never donned the U on his helmet. We all know he went to Auburn, okay? But he sounds more Kane than anybody that, not anybody, but a lot of guys that played here, okay? And so um, you ask a certain former, a, a certain hurricane that won a national championship, uh, and he's just over here spewing hate about the hire. And I'm talking about Joaquin Gonzalez, who's absolutely getting on my goddamn nerves, uh, talking about the hire. I don't know what he's talking about, but what T-Rob just, what you just heard from T-Rob's mouth, that's that's Kane mentality. And listen, I'm here for it because that's going only going to make competition what it used to be on Green Tree. And I don't know if you guys saw the tweet uh, between Amon Richards, but he said when he was on a visit to South Carolina uh, that those practices were lit. All right. So, I mean, I'm just excited, man. What did you guys feel? How did you feel about listening to that clip, Ross? 
Oh, I love it, man. I mean, it, like you said, that that sounds like a Miami guy. And the mm -hmm. irritating part is, is why the hell did it take so long? You know, why the hell did we have to spend so long with a guy like Mike Rump, who never talked like that? We didn't hear that kind of fire out of him or that kind of passion about this stuff. We didn't hear the commitment. The one thing that I like about, and it's a word that I often use when I'm doing T-Rob, his players are cutthroat. Yeah. These guys line up. They go balls out, they're physical, and they can play finesse. There's no reason at all why that shouldn't happen at Miami. We've got the athletes to do it, and we're bringing in more and more talent all the time. It, it just, yeah, it, it's just something that uh, I think it's going to be good. It's all good around for us at Miami if everything's going to keep moving forward in these ways. Absolutely. Max, uh, how did you feel about listening to that clip, man? Because it's, it's Kane football. What he just said is green tree. That is... Uh, the 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 stereotypical you know that that whole phrase that you heard about oh practices are easier than the games you know uh, I'm sorry practice is harder than the games and the games are easier than practice because we went at it ones on ones I mean it was nostalgic hearing him talk like that for me I've probably listened to that clip about 15 times now <laughs> because I get more and more excited every time I hear it but there's actually a sec clip um, and I don't remember where I saw it. I don't know if someone posted it or if I just found it on my own. But there's a clip where he talks about the camaraderie that he has with his players. Mm -hmm. T-Rob's the kind of guy who goes and hangs out with his team. Wow. He goes and wow. does stuff with his team. He's in. He's, he talks about how he's in the dorm rooms with his players. Wow. You know, just, just chopping with them, hanging out, having a good time. That's a coach where, you know, there's all this talk about, oh, you don't want a player's coach. That's a different type of player's coach Absolutely. that everybody is going to love. Absolutely slam dunk hire. I can't say it enough. Just imagine if we had, if Miami had coaches in the past that talked how he talked, okay, and, and coached how he coaches. Guys like... Already, I tweeted this yesterday. Artie Burns had six picks, which was a career career high for him. His last season in a Miami uniform, his junior year, that was the last season of Al Golden. Can you imagine him under uh, the first year Mark Rick defense? He would have been probably opposite Corn Elder. He probably would have been starting over Malik Young, or maybe I don't know. Maybe Malik Young would have been starting over Corn Elder. But uh, guys like Artie would have had better careers. Guys like Tracy Howard would have had better careers because these are bump and run guys. We have that now. And I mean, I think this is a home run hire because you not only have a man that grew up in the 305, maybe he's a hurricane at heart. I don't know, but he saw great hurricanes teams play. He's old enough to have seen that, but young enough to be able to translate to the younger generation of college football and high school football players like you just said he's in the dorms with them or whatever so that's why i think it's a perfect hire because he's he's seen the past and he's able to translate it to guys right now i'm excited i mean what do you think what do you guys think is next for miami football in terms of uh you know i guess any type of moves with three minutes to go mm, i mean and the i know speculating but it's fun <laughs> yeah the, the cat's out of the bag now but tyreek stevenson is going to be a can at some point this week man i mean so from what I've been told, it takes 48 hours after you sign your paperwork, hitting the portal, 20, actually 24 or 48 business hours. Mm, okay. Um, 
from what I've been told, that paperwork has been signed Oof. as of Friday to enter the portal, not to come to Miami per se. So the news of him being in the portal should break, I would assume, Tuesday night okay. at some point. Um, and, and I truly only anticipate him being in the portal for a day or two. I mean, I think it's going to be that quick. He's coming to Miami. Even some of the Georgia insiders posted today um, on, on their wow. 247 that th- they've heard about 50-50 that he may stay, he may go. But if he goes, it's Miami. He's got people in his corner that want him close to home. I mean, that that's a dude I want getting coached by T-Rob, man. Yeah, absolutely. You saw, you, you saw him win that game, that last play, that game. Well, not the last play, but the, the game ceiling play, um, you know, two weeks ago or a week or two ago right. um, when, when they played in their bowl game. No, no, great point. And, I mean, Georgia must be really pissed off at us, man, because James Williams and now Tyreek Stevenson, you got to wonder, uh, they're just waiting to trip us up. But, uh, Ross, I'll leave the closing uh, closing arguments with you, man. What's going on uh, in terms of, you know, Tyreek or anything Kane related in your mind? Um, to me, the big topic right now is defensive coordinator, and it's is Baker going to stay, is Baker going to go? Um, you know, the, the arguments – on Twitter have been absolutely endless. It's been, it's actually been comical now because people are so fed up and they expected an answer by now. So they haven't got one and it's just kind of just left them irritated as all hell, I think. And I, and and I'm kind of feeling the same way. (laughs) I, I sadly right now with the information I have and just what I know, I'm not a source or anything like that, but it sounds like to me that Baker's going to remain the defensive coordinator at the university of Miami Sadly, I want to be wrong about it. I desperately want to be wrong about it, bro. The one thing that we can do, though, if he remains, is make the right coach on the defensive line or make the right hire on the defensive line. We need to bring in a guy that's going to continue to develop our ends as premier pass rushers that have NFL type of upside while keeping the interior going. We saw some improvement there with Stroud. Sounds like Stroud, even if he's not the DL coach, will still be part of the team, which I think is fantastic. He's a great football mind. But there's a guy that I'm hearing a lot about, defensive line. You know, everybody wants to say Pritchard from Pittsburgh. Everybody wants him. He's my number one choice, of course. I don't hear that that's going to happen. The guy I'm hearing is Chris Wilson right now. Mm-hmm. He's uh, He was coaching at Buffalo. Yeah. He's had some success. He's he's done well with some underranked kind of guys. He'd have more talent at Miami than he's had at Colorado. He also was on the Eagles uh, Super Bowl winning team, and he coached with Manny at Mississippi State. And uh, as we've seen with Manny on the defensive side, if he can bring in guys that he has a tie to and guys that he's familiar with a little bit that kind of kind of want to do the same thing he does, he's more than happy to pull the trigger on that. I'm all for bringing in a guy with NFL experience, a guy that coached a D-line, a very good D-line, a, a D-line that beat the Patriots rushing four guys, okay? I'm fine with that. A guy that has a ring coach on that, that unit, I'm, I'm fine with. But um, we got to wrap it up for this segment. Guys, man, it's been fun, man. Um, I'm hoping that uh, we can do this again at some point because I've never really had a show that I do four segments with with two other guys, but I enjoyed it. And um, I hope you did too. Definitely. Yeah, appreciate you having us on anytime, man. Awesome, guys. Um, Stay safe. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll link up again soon enough. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. Keep it locked. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.
Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get. How do you even, like, well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to. Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to It seems like you have to write. It sounds like it's two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back talking NFL football. Well, I'm back talking NFL football. Um, you've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Thank you for tuning in. And if you're just now catching up with the show, you missed four really good power segments between uh, Ross of... Uh, Paul Scoop on the U and Hurricanes After Dark. That uh, that YouTube channel deserves some love. Go ahead, check it out uh, whenever you get a chance. And Max, man, uh, I really appreciate both of you guys coming on and uh, helping my show grow. Really appreciate it. We talk some NBA hoops, talk some college football. I'm going to get uh, into some NFL football talk. The playoffs started this weekend, guys. That's right. The NFL playoffs, we were able to make it this far. Thank God. And um, I don't know where to start because – what was the biggest surprise to you and or storyline coming out of the weekend? Was it uh, the Rams beating the Seahawks on the road? Uh, was it the Bucks? I, won't, I don't want to say narrowly escaping with victory with Washington, but Washington put up a really, really good fight after the Bucks looked like they had that game, you know, in the books squared away earlier on. They came back, made it a game. Was it Lamar Jackson getting his first career uh, playoff win or was it the Saints finally getting over their bad luck um, in the past couple of years in the playoffs, they beat the bears at home 21 to nine, or was it the absolute domination by the Cleveland Browns of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Wow. The Pittsburgh Steelers went down 21 to nothing, uh, seven to nothing on the very first play of the game as a snap uh, was sailed over Ben Roethlisberger's head. Ended up being a, a defensive touchdown for the Browns, fumble recovery in the end zone. They win that game 48 to 37. They were up 28 to nothing. I apologize. 28 to nothing in the first quarter. Ridiculous. Ben Roethlisberger had to end up throwing the ball 68 times that game. <laughs> Threw for 501 yards, four touchdowns. It was pretty much empty stats, though. Uh, Nick Chubb ran for 76. Juju Smith-Schuster uh, caught 157 and a touch. But the Browns, man, they really didn't have that signature win all year long. I mean, you look at their schedule. And, um, I mean, you got to give credit when credit's due. It's not easy to win a game in the NFL. 
But if we're going back, you know, way back to the beginning of the season, uh, let's see here. They had wins versus the Bengals, the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team, the Cowboys, the Colts, the Bengals, the Texans, the Eagles, the Jags, the Titans, uh, the Giants. And then they won that last game versus the Steelers. Um, not many signature wins. Some okay, some decent, respectable, some respectable wins. But when you look at games that they lost, they lost to the Ravens. Uh, they lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Steelers earlier on in the season. Uh, actually, lost to the Ravens twice. And, you know, they were losing to teams that they should they should be beating. You know, I'm sorry that uh, over 500, and nobody was really taking them seriously. But uh, you got to give credit when credit is due, man. Kevin Stefanski, one of the guys that I think should be mentioned for Coach of the Year. He, along with Brian Flores, and um, why not our boy Ron Rivera at Washington? I know that they finished seven and nine. I know they just got. Uh, bounced from the playoffs by by uh, who was it by the Bucks? But you know they were at they were they were sitting ducks. They were out of the out of the picture. Nobody was taking them seriously. They go on a nice little winning streak towards the beginning, uh, ending of the season, ending up winning the worst division in football at seven and nine. And I mean, why not? Right? The guy was battling cancer towards the beginning of the season. I would definitely throw him in there, um, even though he did have a losing record. But it's probably going to go to Stefanski, even though. I've been clamoring all year long for Brian Flores to win that award. I'm not a Dolphins fan, but I do live here in Miami and seeing what they've done, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you got to respect it. And, um, you know, all with a, let me not say all with a rookie quarterback. Okay. Because, uh, you know, Fitz magic had his moments, especially when he came on in relief of Tua Tonga Bailoa. Call it what you want. I don't think that's a quarterback controversy there in in Miami. I think he actually managed that quarterback situation very, very well. Okay, everybody says that you don't have any quarterbacks. If you have two, they don't have two quarterbacks. He's been he being Brian Flores has been steady uh, saying that Tua is my guy. But whenever Tua wasn't, you know, moving the needle and they needed a spark, you know, he went to his uh, he went to his closer, went to the bullpen, went to his closer, got Fitz Magic and. It ended up paying dividends. So, um, I, I, again, I don't think that that is a quarterback controversy, but I'm getting off topic. Going back to the Browns, man, really, really nice season so far. They get out of the first round. I didn't think that they were going to win um, their game against Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh started off great. What was it, 11-0? and uh, Something to that effect, and then they just took a nosedive. I thought, really, that these guys were just bored. And I know it's a sorry excuse, Um I thought that they were just waiting to get to the playoffs, you know, trying to trying to just get the, you know, let the weeks go by. And um, that wasn't necessarily the case, man. They got, they got boat raced. <laughs> they got boat raced yesterday by a Browns team. That's out to prove people wrong. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But uh, that, that, that was a, that was a score that actually, actually, I'm sorry, absolutely surprised me. And another game in the AFC, the Ravens 20, the Titans 13. Boy, oh boy, look what happens when Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a 200-yard, I'm sorry, a 2,000-yard running back behind him, making life easier for him. I made a prediction going into the season saying that Ryan Tannehill was going to get brought back down to earth. And I was wrong. I was wrong because he he had a very good season. He had a very decent season, but then again, when you have, okay, and again, this is no slight to him because I've never had anything against Ryan Tannehill. I never had anything against Ryan Tannehill, all right? 
But when you have a guy run for 2,000 yards and the season prior, you ran for uh, Derrick Henry ran for what? Like, I don't know, 15, 16, 17,000 yards um, with a defense like Tennessee has. And then, you know, a, a reliable target in Brown. You don't have to do much but manage the game. He's an athlete. Uh, at the I'm sorry, at the quarterback position, used to play receiver at Texas A&M when he was in college, gets drafted in the top 10 by the Dolphins. And maybe it was the Dolphins that made him look worse than what he was, but not a horrible quarterback, not a top 10 quarterback, maybe not a top 15 quarterback in my eyes. In any event, he proved me wrong. He had a good season, okay? Through four, as I put up these stats, uh, these season stats for Ryan uh, Tannehill, on the year, he threw for 3,819 yards, 33 touchdowns. I never thought I would have seen that number from Ryan Tannehill. Seven interceptions. Very respectable. I'm sorry. Very respectable um, from him. But then, like I said, you throw in a 2,000-yard rusher. I mean, it's you got to really scrub out to, to not look good. But yesterday, he didn't have the services of Derrick Henry as the Baltimore Ravens absolutely put the clamps on that rushing game for the Titans, Derrick Henry ran for 40 yards, 4-0 on 18 carries. His longest run was eight yards, guys. That's that's crazy. That's it, it, I'm wondering. I asked. I had to ask this to myself. I'm wondering if they said they being the Baltimore Ravens, if they said, you know what, uh. We're going to focus on – I wonder what was more their game plan. If they said, we're just going to let this guy throw, or if we really, 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 really have to focus in on Derrick Henry. Like, it's two different things. I mean, it sounds the same, but it's really two different things. They obviously didn't have any faith in Ryan Tannehill, okay? Any faith in Ryan Tannehill. So I'm just wondering if they're the defensive coordinator or defensive staff over there was saying, you know what, let's just pack it in. And let him throw, or if they were really concerned about Derrick Henry, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. He only ran the ball 18 times. This is a guy that um, sniffed easily uh, 20 plus carries per season. I'm sorry, per game this year, but shut down, not a touchdown. Shut down 100 yesterday. Derrick, I'm sorry, Ryan Tannehill goes 18 of 26 for 165 yards. Ooh, and I'm sorry for this background noise. Let me go ahead and turn it down. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, man, Ryan Tanner, 165 off of 18 of 26 passing, one touchdown, one interception, not even to pedestrian. Very, very, very uh, high school-ish. And it's not that he played a bad game. It's not that he played a bad game. It's just the way that that team is constructed, okay? And, you know, the type of quarterback that you have, he's a game manager. He's not a game breaker. He's not, you know, he's not a guy that you want to to, to air it out and, and sling it out. He's not a gunslinger. That's just how... That's just how he's built. And so the Titans go down at home 20 to 13. And on the other end of the script, uh, Lamar Jackson gets his first career playoff victory. The man ran for 136 yards on 16 carries, had a long of 48. He threw for a buck 79, um, only incompleted seven passes, did throw an interception. He did get sacked five times, but these are the Ravens. These are the Ravens. Lamar Jackson for as much heat and as much you know whatever people want to put on him he's never going to be that elite passer okay he's never going to be that elite passer decent passer good passer better passer sure but let's just call it what it is if the game is on the line if he has to make that pass or passes plural okay um 
you're probably sitting pretty if you're the defense, okay? Do I have faith with him? In him? Absolutely. It's kind of like Michael Vick. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show here on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. It's kind of like Michael Vick. Michael Vick wasn't a bad passer, okay? He was not a bad passer. He actually had a gun. He probably had the strongest arm at the NFL at one point. You combine that with the fastest 40 time in the NFL that he had at one point, because that's exactly what Michael Vick possessed. He possessed the fastest 40 in the NFL at one point. And the most dynamic, uh, at least at the time, the most dynamic uh, athlete at the quarterback quarterback position anybody has ever seen. You do, you combine those attributes, you're going to have a pretty good passer. Now, you know, decision-making with accuracy, that's something else. And you put the pressure on him, that's, you know, you're talking something different. But if you're playing with the lead, all right, or if, you know, um, everything's even, so I'm sorry, if everything is even and, um, you know, you, you just got to go ahead and win the game with a, a 0-0 score in the first quarter, I like my chances with with Lamar Jackson and or Michael Vick. Okay, I really, really do. But um, happy for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Titans go down at home, like I said, twenty to thirteen. And so let's go ahead and look at the uh, what the other scores were. Talked about Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Talked about the Titans and the uh, and the Ravens. Another score that kind of uh, that surprised the hell out of me, and I, I'm still not over it because let me tell you. As a 49er fan, everybody knows that's exactly who I root for in terms of NFL football. I was, I always am terrified of the Seattle Seahawks. Always. Why? Russell Wilson. The man is a magician. I don't care what anybody says. Okay. Uh, He is, in my eyes, a top five quarterback in the NFL. Period. I've seen it way too often. And the only reason you may disagree is because he's out in the great Northwest. Okay. But the guy is a comeback king. Okay. He throws dimes in his sleep. He's athletic. And the biggest, biggest, biggest attribute that I think that Russell Wilson has is the fact that he looks to throw when he scrambles. He does. He really doesn't care about uh, using his legs. He uses them when he has to. And he does a great job of it. Everybody knows it. Okay. When he's when he's in the pocket and he's getting pressure and he has to make some time and you know sidestep a few guys, even when he has to bootleg out a little bit, He's buying time, looking down the field, looking for that guy, looking for that guy, looking for that receiver. At the last minute when he finally says, okay, fine, he'll pull it down and run. That's what makes him so dangerous. I've seen him come back over and over um, on my Niners, namely, but on everybody else, okay? Did you see that touchdown pass that he had yesterday? Uh, I can't remember what down it was, but DK Metcalf uh, caught the touchdown pass from him. And so um, it was one of uh, DK Metcalf's five receptions of 96 yards and two touchdowns. So it ended up being like a like a 48 yard touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Russell Wilson had a ton of time in the pocket. The pocket finally starts collapsing. He, you know, makes a move, scrambles around for a little bit, comes to his left, throws with his right arm. I'm sorry, with his throwing hand, which is his right arm. And that's the hardest throw to make in the NFL for a right handed quarterback when you're, you know, uh drifting to your left but he throws an absolute dime to Metcalf who was on the run saw his quarterback in trouble did what his receiver was supposed to do got open and boom you have a touchdown that's another thing that kind of makes Russell Wilson great uh you know it's a team thing so I got to give credit to the receivers but uh they play with their heads up you know they, they their heads up guys they see their quarterback in trouble let me get open Guys don't do that. I mean, the, I guess the natural tendency is to just sit there, find me. Hey, I'm right here. I'm open. But no, 
Uh, you see your quarterback in trouble, you got to do something to help him out. That's exactly what DK Metcalf did. But I had the Seahawks going to the NFC Championship game earlier on in the season. Everybody else was picking Tampa Bay. Um, everybody else was picking the Saints. Uh, my Niners were getting a little bit of love. And uh, not so much for the Packers, who are going to host uh, the first game of the playoffs for them next week. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But um, they were off this week. But, yeah, the Seahawks, and I'll tell you why. They were going for it, man. They were absolutely going for it. Remember their offseason? I mean, Jamal, I don't think Jamal Adams was during, I can't remember if it was an in-season or off-season move, but in any event, it counts as a pickup, right? Jamal Adams, all right, they're making their defense better. Uh, they pick up Greg Olson, for crying out loud, another threat for uh, a guy that doesn't even need more help, but a tight end is always a quarterback's best friend, and Greg Olson might be Hall of Fame bound, OK, you pick those two guys up. And oh, by the way, then they get Carlos Dunlap. They absolutely picked him up for 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 nothing. I think it was like a seventh round pick they picked him up for. Let me see. I have it. I pulled it up right here. They traded B.J. Finney in a twenty twenty one seventh round pick to Cincinnati for Carlos Dunlap. I was absolutely terrified. I was absolutely terrified. I'm thinking these guys are going to run through the West. And then obviously the Niners have their their season, uh, their season, sorry about that, their season go to waste with injuries. And so I'm thinking, you know, absolutely Seahawks are going to run through everything in the NFC West. They're going to ramp it through the NFC period. That was my, that was my pick to go to the Super Bowl. And I don't know what happened yesterday. I couldn't believe that they lost credit to the Rams and played a hell of a game winning 30 to 20. And, um, We'll see what happens next week, man. But uh, I'm out of time here. I'm going to go ahead and continue the NFL playoff talk in the next segment. You've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on SiriusXM, channel, channel 145, Slam Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show, only on SiriusXM, 145, Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, have to, you forgot that. Just the two of us. Oh, the two of us. We're building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, back for the final segment here on... Uh... The Michael McCoy Show, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Thank you for sticking around with us. If you've been with us throughout the entirety of the show, had some really good conversation with Max and Ross. The first couple of segments of the show, talking some NBA hoops and college football, and I'm just closing things out, talking NFL playoffs. 
uh, close out the last segment talking about how I was just absolutely impressed with the performance by the Rams on Sat. I'm sorry, yesterday. And um, I just couldn't believe that they went into Seattle and won 30 to 20, man. Like, and shouts out to Cam Akers, that little, uh, that little guy over there that used to play for uh, some team up north. Everything changes when you go pro, but I still have to throw some shade at him because he was a no. But shouts out to him. It had a really good game, all 5'10", supposedly, and 217 pounds of him. He ran yesterday for, where was it? He ran yesterday. Cam Akers was on a Seahawks defense, which actually turned the tide. They were one of the worst defense to start off the year. And towards the last couple of weeks of the year, they were like one of the best defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Wonder if Carlos Dunlap had anything to do with that. But on 28 carries, Cam Akers ran for 131 yards and a touchdown. And so, um, yeah, man, the, the Seahawks are a team seven and one at home all year long. Uh, close out 12 and four. That's just a team that I thought with all the pieces that were surrounding uh, Russell Wilson. Okay. You add uh, Jamal Adams and then Carlos Dunlap to solidify a defense that was kind of leaky uh, to start the season. And then, you know, Pete Carroll knows what he's doing. I thought it was just going to be hell on wheels for everybody else. And I don't know what happened. It was such a surprise to see them go down. I, I still don't understand it, but again, shouts to the Rams and uh, Sean McVay for, for, for doing the damn thing. Here I am a 49ers fan. My Niners were blitzed with injuries. They pretty much derailed their, their season. They finished what, like six and 10 or seven and nine or whatever it was. I, I got pretty upset and I stopped keeping track of their record, but they went ahead and they swept the Rams guys. The Niners swept the Rams and here you have the Rams moving on to the second round of the NFL playoffs. Goodness, great. Goodness gracious. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the bills and the Colts because the bills, you know, 13 and three, seven and one at home, they lose, I'm sorry. They beat the Colts in round one of the super wild card, 27 to 24. <sighs> it's, it's hard for me to measure those guys because they're getting extremely, extremely consistent and really, really good play from Josh Allen. Okay. Who went 26 of 35 for 324 and two touchdowns. Okay. But I don't know. It's something about the bills that I'm, I'm not sold yet. And I don't know. I can't quite put my hand on it. And they're kind of a weird team to figure out. I'll tell you why last year, their team was headlined by their defense. Their defense was like top 10 doing really, really well. And, um, Josh Allen didn't have a bad year, but he didn't have the year that he's having right now. And, you know, all because of the tutelage of uh, quarterbacks coach Ken Dorsey, who, if anybody's paying attention, was Cam Newton's quarterback coach when Cam Newton won the NFL MVP way back when with the Panthers a few years back. But Josh Allen is is putting up some all pro numbers. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a mistake that Ken Dorsey has a lot to do with that equation. Four thousand. 544 yards in the air, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Those are elite numbers. Let's 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 be honest. That's uh, they're putting up elite numbers. Their offense definitely got better, but their defense took a step back. Their defense was kind of like in the middle of the pack or maybe towards the bottom half of the NFL this year. And I don't know. I you look. Everybody knows that you got to put up points to win nowadays in football, whether it be high school, college, or pro, and I get it, but you still need defense, okay? You're not going to outscore everybody all the time unless you're Alabama putting up damn near 50 points a game. 
That's exactly what Alabama's doing, putting up 48 point something points per game. Okay. Well, the Bills aren't doing that. As a matter of fact, nobody in the NFL is doing that. But they win yesterday by three uh, by a Col- uh, to a Colts team that, you know, I don't think anybody really took seriously. Phillip Rivers was a nice pickup for them. Uh, their offensive line looked good uh, last season, some. And, you know, they, you add Jonathan Taylor, you have Phillip Rivers. And, you know, they're working with something. But something about the Colts, I was just going to take maybe four, maybe five NFC, I'm sorry, AFC teams ahead of them. The Bills... I don't know. I'm not exactly sure they were one of those teams, at least to start the season as the year went on. Yeah, sure. I had the bills probably duking it out. You know, if they had to play the Colts in a, in a winner take all game, which they did, they win at Buffalo 27 to 24, but uh, shouts out to Buffalo, man. I just, I don't know. I need to see more. It's kind of like Tannehill last year. Uh, People were ready to, you know, uh, anoint him uh, the titans certainly did they uh, rewarded him with an extension but i needed to see it more than just one season okay one game is nothing two games is nothing heck one season in any sport of proving yourself is nothing you got to go ahead and be consistent with it every game every snap every season that's just how it is that's what makes you great but um they move on the bucks and the Washington football team. I'm still getting used to not saying, uh, I'm, st- I'm sorry, I'm still getting used to saying the Washington football team and not saying the Washington Redskins. That game, uh, it was a weird game. Washington uh, finishing seven and nine. Uh, the Bucks uh, 11 and five going into the playoff. The Bucks win the game 31 to 23. Tom Brady looks good, 381 yards, two touchdowns on 22 or 40 passing. Everybody that's been listening to the show uh, since, what, August? Been on air since August, knows that the biggest storyline for myself heading into the NFL was Brady versus Belichick. Who needs each other more, right? Uh, I always felt that Brady needed Belichick more than Belichick needed Brady, okay? That's just how I felt. Obviously, Belichick is out of the playoffs, but that's really no fault of him totally, not solely on the coach, okay? Obviously, coaches and players do a, uh, they go hand in hand when you go winning a game, uh, winning or losing a game. But, you know, the Patriots really never really even had the pieces this season. And anybody that knows anything about anything knows that Cam Newton was inconsistent. I was really hoping for him to have a bounce back year. He had some some nice numbers on the ground but was never the passer that new england really needed him to be missed some time with covid who knows if that played a part in anything but uh, there were some games there where they definitely should have won the patriots that they lost that that i think it was the second game of the season they traveled out all the way out west to seattle and they almost won that game they literally lost it on the last snap of the game at the goal line uh cam newton wasn't able to to bull rush his way into the end zone, but they lose a lot of close games and, you know, a snap here, a snap there. We'll see what's going on. You know, maybe they have a different season, but they didn't make the playoffs. The Bucks did. Um, and Tom Brady's looking good, man. Tom Brady's looking good. 31 to 23. Uh, they win at home. Remember Tampa Bay is hosting the Super Bowl this year. Who knows how many people will be there? Who knows how much of a home field advantage it will be, but it will still go down in the books as the only team to host the Super Bowl. If it gets that far, if they make it that far, but um, Leonard Fournette, 
Uh, he runs for, where is it? I had it up, 93 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. Um, Mike Evans looks good, six catches for a buck 19. Uh, who else? Oh, Antonio Brown catches a touchdown. He had two catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this team is full of weapons, and everybody knew it, that that was pretty much the reason that Brady decided to take his talents to Tampa Bay. Uh, good weather. He doesn't have to deal with that in the offseason. Uh, assuming, you know, they had a, a, a first overall seed, you won't have to deal with it in the playoffs, that's for sure, if they go ahead and – I'm sorry, in the Super Bowl, if they make it that far. But, you know, they're chugging along, man. And, again, shouts to Washington because they made this a game. This game was, it was out of reach, man. It was at, I think at one point Washington was trading like, it was like 28 to, I don't know. It, it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was lopsided, but they came back and um, by scoring 16 points in the second half and they lose by one score, they lose by one score. And so that's that. Let's take a look at the, um, the bracket for the upcoming for the upcoming week in the playoffs. Actually, you know, before that, I think there's a game that I have yet to talk about. And um, talked about the Rams, talked about the Colts. Oh, the Saints and the Bears. Very ho-hum game, you know. I was glad to see the Saints win because if you guys remember the past couple of years, they have just been on the butt end of luck. Everybody knows what happened with that that call, that playoff. Um, I'm sorry, that pass interference call. What was it against the Rams, if I'm not mistaken? I can't remember. But then, you know, they have that Minnesota miracle or Minneapolis miracle where uh, Stephon Diggs a couple of years ago, he catches a, a touchdown pass. It was absolutely crazy how that game ended. Nice to see them win one in the playoffs, 21 to nine. Drew Brees, 265 yards passing on two touchdowns. Kamara had himself a game, 99 yards on the ground with a touchdown on 23 carries. Like I said, very ho-hum game, 21 to nine. I think everybody pretty much expected the Saints to win that one, especially at home. Um, but this week in the playoffs, man, going to have some really, really good matchups. We're going to have the one seeds playing because everybody knows that they were off. So the divisional round looks a little something like this. On uh, the NFC side of things, you have the Rams visiting Lambeau Field, the six versus one matchup. And um, I'm curious to see how the Packers look after a bye week. And again, bye week. It's the same thing every year, a bye week. How is it going to affect the team that's off? I'm tired of those questions because you're going to get the same answer all the time. I think the better topic to talk about when you have teams that are experiencing a bye week, whether it be NFL playoffs, we'll see if college football expands and then you have teams with buys there. But it's good and bad, okay? It's good for teams that are that need rest, okay? Maybe an older team that needs rest, a very veteran-laden team that can use the rest because, I mean, 17 weeks of football, it's, it's you know, it takes a toll on you. And it could be bad for a team that's just now starting to get hot, okay? Um, sometimes that happens. I know you're probably thinking, well, Mike, how many teams start getting hot and they have a bye week? Uh, sometimes teams get hot late, man. I mean, look, I've seen crazier things in football for crying out loud. We had a seven and nine division winner this year in the Washington almost did it again with the Washington football team. All right. So we've seen crazier things happen, but it could be detrimental for a team that's just now getting their legs under them and uh, getting hot. And it could be good for a team that needs the rest. All right. So again, six, one matchup Rams at the Packers. That's happening on Saturday at 4 35 PM on Fox. 
You got the Bucks and the Saints. That's the one that I really want to talk about because the Bucks absolutely were bent over <laughs> and slapped on their backside, daddy style, by the Saints all season long. They were swept. Uh, there was a blowout. There was a blowout win somewhere in there. I think the Saints won like 38 to 6. One of those games, it, it wasn't even funny. But the playoffs are a different animal. Okay. It's really hard to beat someone in the NFL. All right once okay because it's hard to get a win in the nfl period it's harder to sweep someone imagine how hard it would be to play someone three times so that's what the saints are going up against all right you're got a a veteran quarterback in tom brady who in my eyes that offense really never hit their stride throughout the year and i don't think i'm breaking any news here i don't think i'm the only one feeling that way but i think the bucks they have they're not even close to being the team they could have been on offense all right with godwin and and you know gronk uh it took a while for him to get going but he was invisible uh invincible i'm, I'm sorry invisible yesterday really i didn't even think he had a target but uh he's a weapon obviously you know they have like a two or three head monster at running back and uh you always got brady if you have brady i'm sorry you're always in any game but that's going to be a game that i'm going to be tuned into just because of the simple fact that the saints have owned the bucks all season long all season long so that's the game is on sunday that's uh the second NF nfc game that'll be on sunday at 6 40 all right moving on to the afc this is a game that i really really want to watch too because i'm rooting for lamar jackson i really am i really am i think he takes a lot of unwarranted criticism um I mean, for crying out loud, the guy was in the, in the league for two years and everybody's pouncing on him. When is he going to get his first playoff win? When is he going to get his first, first playoff win? For crying out loud, it's his second year in the league, guys. Give him a break. Finally earned yesterday, and uh, the Ravens are traveling to Buffalo. The Ravens are traveling to Buffalo, and um, that's a five-versus-two matchup on Saturday at 8-15. Um, I don't know, man. Two cold-weather teams. Uh, you got uh, uh, the Ravens finally buying into who they are and rushing the ball. I, I look, I'm going to put it to you like this. If the, if the Ravens are rushing the ball like that against Buffalo, Buffalo doesn't stand a chance. I don't care what numbers uh, Allen puts up. I don't, I don't care. I don't care because they're going to control the clock. Okay. They're going to win the line of scrimmage. And as long as you have those two, a running quarterback and a defense like Baltimore, I'm sorry. Uh, that's a winning formula. That is a winning formula. And I just said in the last segment that the Bills, their defense, it's not the same from last year. They do not have the same looking defense as they did last year. They're not, they're not winning games how they were because of their defense. They're winning because of Josh Allen. And make no mistake about it, that's what the situation is there. But that game, again, is on Saturday. That's the night slate. Uh, 8.15 on NBC. And then you got the Browns at the Chiefs. Oh, man. <laughs> Another six versus one matchup. Uh, that's going to be Sunday at 3.05 p.m. on CBS. Is this where the magical season for the Browns runs out of luck? Or do they continue to be, you know, taking people by surprise? We'll see. The Chiefs, I will say this. Um, the Chiefs can be beat. I don't know if the Browns are the team to do it, but they can be beat by a team that plays very good defense and has just enough offense. Do you think the Browns are that team? I don't know. 
All right, they're going to be at Arrowhead, which again doesn't mean much because COVID. I don't know how much of a crowd is going to be at Kansas, uh, at Kansas City, but um, I think I'll take the Chiefs there with that Mahomes magic. I got the Ravens taking the Bills. Don't ask me for any scores because I suck at that. I'm gonna go. I don't know about that Bucks. I don't know about that Bucks Saints game, man. That that that's uh, I don't know. I don't know. But if I had to, you know, make a pick gun to my head right now. I'm going to go Saints and then I'm going to go I'm going to go with the Rams at the Packers. I'm going to go with the Rams just because you know, they haven't stopped playing. They probably found their niche. They finally found their groove and we'll see. But we'll be back here next week Monday to talk about it all. Same time, same place. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. You've been listening to the Michael McCoy show here on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. Have a good week everyone. The views and opinions expressed on the Michael McCoy show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.